I experienced a lot of um, upheaval in relationships in my life when I stopped drinking alcohol. They weren't sure what to expect of me. Um, they weren't sure just what to say to me. Like I made a lot of people uncomfortable because I just up and quit drinking alcohol. And for the most part, that makes people uncomfortable because they're like, what's wrong with alcohol? Is something wrong with me because I drink alcohol? And they're not ready to look at that question um, simply because I stopped drinking alcohol that poses the question. And then they're uncomfortable about the entire thing. Um, and so I lost a lot of relationships through that time. But as we know, when we're evolving and it's good to shed relationships that are no longer serving us. Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. But yeah, I know Alyssa, because I am pretty sure if my memory serves me, like my the first time we did that first little bit of facilitation, like I think we were in a breakout room together. Yeah. I think it was you, me, and Bronte. Mm, like Curious. in um wow. In the forest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like what? And we were in the same pod too. So yeah, we're a lot, in the same of, pod. lot of connection. We yeah. yeah, we definitely you're up there and like the people that I remember the most from the whole experience. Yeah, it was quite the experience. Mm. Yeah. Do you have a new tattoo? Is that new? Um, it's actually not new. Um, oh. I've had it since 2021. Um, I'm gonna get a new tattoo this Saturday, adding on to mm. this one. So that's kind of funny. Oh, see my intu my intuition there. Yes. <laughs> I really mm. like it. A tattoo but I don't know where I want to put it so I still just have yet to do anything I so guess. many options so I many know. body parts so many body parts <laughs> and did you know where you choose to get your first tattoo or any tattoo has like relevance into your whole life story really yes when I didn't you, know it um your first one? so right here and it turns out forearm um tattoos are a big fuck you to whoever was really like messing with your life and for me at that time it was actually alcohol so it's really funny that that that's where I got that tattoo and that this signifies my freedom from alcohol and yoga being my new thing to do instead of alcohol so it's funny <laughs> I love that that's yeah. so good <laughs> more just you know body wisdom so yes. Alyssa this was like three weeks ago I oosh. anyway I had a breathwork session where I was being facilitated and at the end this like download this it was like a vision of kind of sorts and I saw a tattoo on the inside of my forearm and it said mine in in like cursive and since then there's been like so much meaning to to what that means and but it feels like it's a big fuck you for 
to Mormonism and to society that this, this is my body. This is my story. These are my needs. This is my voice. There's so much mine that's been take, taken away, taken away that I'm reclaiming. And so I love that, that you shared that about the, cause it feels like that's where my first one will be. And it, and when you were like, that means it's a big fuck you. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Yeah, you did bring I remember you saying that that was my timing is off too, but I think that was like a month or so ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. Mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the reminder. I think that's a big thing. If we're getting something permanent, like what do we need to be reminded of every day when you look down? <clears throat> So I'm curious, Alyssa, have you been a guest on a, other podcasts? Um, yes, I was actually a guest last week in a podcast that's in a summit. Um, and so it was cool to do them back to back, but I'm more nervous today because I don't know what we're going to talk about. And I don't like hmm. know what value to bring. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Because um, Hanny, did you know I was on her podcast? No. So that was, do you remember when it was? I'm not going to guess. Probably time. like March, April. Okay. It was a while ago. So that was, that was before she, Hannah and I had even started. Like she and I were having conversations, but it wasn't, we weren't recording. It was just like, yeah. these are really good. We maybe record them. And then, so I was curious your experience because we, we keep hearing people well, so part of the deeper awareness is just really being reflective on mm -hmm. what's coming up for you here and how is it different than when you're a host and when you're interviewing. And then, so that was interesting to me just to hear that it's like, well, I don't know what value I need to bring. <laughs> like there's some value you need to bring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody's time is so precious that if they're going to take the time out to watch this video, I feel like they should learn something. <laughs> and that's, I've been really aware of that recently with our podcast. It's like, what can we do to make this valuable for our audience? Yeah. It's kind of been weighing me down though. Mm. <laughs> so I, I have a thought. Yeah. And this is just me. So we had Meg Adams on. I don't know if you know her. Mm -mm. So she was on and afterwards she was having all the, you know, all the thoughts of like, I hope, I hope that was what you needed or what you wanted out of the podcast. And so I reflected on that and realized that this conversation is actually what I'm doing this for. Mm. that it's the connection and it's the introspection that it's the new awareness it's the diving in yeah it, it it's it's this and then it doesn't feel selfish but it's very me focused and connecting with you focused too so it feels both and then we just happen to record it and we happen happen to upload it that's like the cherry on top. And so 
I love that. Um, reflecting on some of our interviews we've done where we've had two people that are just kind of on talking, Josh included, and then we've had two authors that are on talking about their book launch or maybe three authors. My favorite are just the conversations about nothing but everything at the same time. Yeah. So I totally agree. Well, that was also, so I, <clears throat> I don't want to make too long of a story, but I worked on a farm this past summer and it was amazing. And I think I might've mentioned that in wild souls. I can't remember if we mm -hmm. talked about that because I've been so busy since then, but um, when I was working there, those, this, you know, we're out in the fields, but there's a wash station and the girl in the wash station, she would listen to these podcasts so loud. And I would, from the field, I'd be like, wow, someone's talking so loud, but it was just this podcast she'd listen to. And so every time I'd bring some veggies in, I'd say, you know, what, like, what podcast is this? And she's like, oh, it's just girls on tangents. I'm like, well, what do they talk about? And she's like, really nothing. <laughs> And so I would listen a little bit. I'm like, oh, these girls are literally just complaining about things in the world. And it did not resonate with me whatsoever. But I was like, they have a huge audience. I looked into it. I'm like, people just listen to these the thoughts of these girls. And so even that, we had already talked about starting our podcast and we might have even been doing it at that point. But that gave me a nice little, like, ah. <sighs> <laughs> like these people are famous just because they they put themselves out there mm. yeah. and it's there's just so the long story short is for me it's authenticity like mm -hmm. just I think people just really resonate with authenticity and something that they can relate to so that's what puts my mind at ease because I have those same thoughts of like like what value are, are we bringing like should there be a theme every time and all this stuff and it's like I think it's just being us mm -hmm. and that permissioning to other people to be themselves too I think for me that's what I what's my intention of this is just to permission other people to just be themselves and to put things out there that don't that aren't perfect because mm -hmm. that's what I love about creating this specifically is we just put it out there we just wanted yes. to start somewhere and do it I it's not that. yeah it is what it is and it's us and yeah whatever it will turn into it will be and I love that mm. I think so many people are missing connection in their lives that when they feel like they can be a part of a conversation just by listening to it that it feels good for them so that's a great reminder mm -hmm. yeah thank you guys and even the imperfections when people <clears throat> show up imperfect that it puts people at ease mm. like I went to a, a yoga class yesterday and it was this woman's first time um teaching yoga and she I don't want to say didn't do her job but she was nervous and she stopped a lot and I couldn't really follow her and I know her fairly well. And so afterwards she was like, oh, that was so awful. I can't believe. And I'm like, it was good though, because people, everybody didn't mind. They knew it was your first time. And it's just, it, it might just give someone permission to be like, well, she did it and it wasn't perfect. I'm going to start something and do it, even though it's not perfect. And it, you have to start somewhere. So I just love that permission slip. Yeah, no agenda. Agendalessness is 
our main goal here because we all know how to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to today's show. Um, Hannah, do you want to introduce Alyssa to our audience? Yes, I would love to. So today we have Alyssa Hutchinson. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes no, I like over enunciate over enunciate my name and say Hutchinson. Actually, that didn't sound as bad as yours did. <laughs> <laughs> we have I say it different every time. Do so. you? <laughs> What um what ethnicity is that? Where what the heritage of Hutchinson? I think it's probably just European. Somebody's a son of some Hutch. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> some woodworker making hutches. Um, but yeah. So today we have Alyssa. Um, I think you're the first from my cohort. We've had so many of Josh's cohort. It's such a lovely group of people. But I'm so thrilled to have. Um, a familiar face to me. Um, Alyssa was not only in my cohort, but in our pods when we break up into the little groups for our program. We were in a nice intimate group. We had a lovely mentor and our weekly, I remember being surprised that um, Tanya, our mentor said that not everyone was showing up in other people's pods all the time. But so she was very happy that we would always show up, all of us. It was such a great pod that we had. So um, it's just so nice to, I'm like really so excited to have you here today Thank and, you. Catch, and catch up because I want to know what you're up to. Mm. So if you'd like to just introduce yourself of how you like the world to know what you're up to and who you okay. are. Um. So I'm a trauma-informed somatic healing coach. So I've done the pause coaching program as well as the breathwork program. Um, and then I've incorporated breathwork and Reiki and intentional microdosing and quantum healing hypnosis into my containers. Um, so I'm just a really, I'm a lifelong learner. So always learning, always growing, always evolving. That's beautiful. I love that whole the word that comes to me is cornucopia <laughs> of things and they all yes. I'm sure work in harmony so well together I think so yeah I just just added quantum healing hypnosis and I haven't been able to do a full session I tried to do it on my husband and he would not go under so I I haven't done it yet yeah that's so fascinating I'd love to learn more about that because I just facilitated some breath work last week and <laughs> there was a husband in the group and he was like did you hypnotize that <laughs> I'm like no but maybe I will learn and so I can do that so tell us a little bit about what that entails as you I know you're learning it right now and really practicing yeah. but tell us about that well I'd love to share that when you facilitate breath work you do um guide them into shifting altered states of consciousness and their brain waves do change going from the normal um, beta brainwaves, which is daily life brainwaves, to alpha, which is light hypnosis. And that happens in breathwork sessions and that happens with hypnosis sessions. But in quantum healing hypnosis, we go into the theta brainwaves. So that's deep level hypnosis. And then after that, it's delta. So those are your sleeping brainwaves. So you can see that delta, uh, the theta is pretty deep compared to like the alpha in the breathwork. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to learn more about it because I did have clients that were going into past lives in breathwork and in coaching sessions, and I didn't know how to help them. And so I was really curious about that aspect as well as the the hypnosis that we're doing, Um, just my voice in general, as well as like the the whole process of relaxing them and altering their brain waves was just really fascinating to me. Mm. So what what did that look like when they were experiencing past lives? Like how what like so much curiosity here. So what yeah. So one of them was in a breathwork session. It was a meditative breathwork. So I didn't know about it until the end. And she told me that she Um, appeared in a past life she was like in a field and she felt the emotions that she had felt in that past life she felt like anxious and worried and her daughter was there and they were scared they were must have been running from something or or had some sort of really unfavorable life and she was just working through all of that and I didn't know until the end and then I was like wow and now what (laughs) now how do we like button that up or is there anything else I need to do because that's new information for me and then the other one was in a coaching session so there was back and forth conversation so we were able to um I was able to ask questions and make sure the feelings were felt and ask her if there's anything else she'd like to change or or what does that look like but now knowing the training I have now I think we wouldn't have necessarily needed to change anything just really get the emotions out um get the story out and with the training from quantum hypnosis what's it called <laughs> quantum healing yeah quantum healing hypnosis um i actually can give suggestions so that they don't have to feel overwhelming levels of the emotions and the trauma and everything that's present so that's kind of cool to have that information I've been, I've done a past life regression once and I had the hardest time, um, trusting that Mm -hmm. it wasn't my imagination. Yeah. And I, so I couldn't really go that deep because I was like, did I just make that up? There's no way I was a fighter pilot or wherever I went. I was like that really. And so I remember being like, okay, how do I know if this is real? So do you have, do you ever come up front with that? Yeah. So that was brought up in the training is that a lot of people think it's not real because they're just making it up or this or that, but like, how could you have made up that story? You know, where did that information come from? Or where did like the images and all of that stuff come from? Mm -hmm. Like you pulled it up out of, out of your super conscious, out of this part of you that's been with you this whole time. So it's really fascinating. It is so fascinating. Yeah. One of them I popped into, it was like, I don't know how old it was, but I remember like I had just very simple, like everything was just simple. That was like the theme. Like I just had a simple task every day and there was a lot of like cobblestone and I just was like, can I, can I go back there? It just seems like a nice life, but you know, just that little glimpse. I'm sure it was, you know, not that easy, but yeah. So that was really so fascinating. Yeah. I'm curious if yours was the quantum healing hypnosis technique. Yeah, I don't know exactly. It was just called a past life regression. Okay, so this technique is a little different. So we do do the past life, but what is more important about this session is connecting with 
um, what Dolores Cannon calls the SC, the, self, the subconscious is what she thought it was at the beginning, but now we know it's really the superconscious, this part of you, again, like I said, that's been with you this whole time. And you can ask this part of you any questions that you need answers to. And I, as the facilitator, can have a back and forth dialogue with this part of you. And then this part of you can also do a healing on your body if there's specific illnesses you have, or if you want to do a body scan and just let it, let it see what's going on. It can do that too. And I think that part is really fascinating. And that's why I chose this, um, this modality over just regular hypnosis. Cool. Well, I'm up for, if you need to practice, I'm happy to. (laughs) Yeah. So Dolores's training was originally not to be done online, but there's Mm -hmm. um, a lot of drama going on behind the scenes right now. And Dolores died in 2014, but she's communicating from beyond the grave. So (laughs) I'm not sure if I'll be doing online sessions. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I Mm -hmm. think with the trauma-informed training and the fact that I can track your nervous system and all that, I think I would be better prepared than just somebody who's not able to do that. But there's a lot that could happen in session. Yeah. Besides just losing tech technology, you know, Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. That makes sense. And then the microdosing, I'm interested about that too. What did you learn that before or after breath work? Um, I started right after breath work. It was like a 12 week course and I wrapped up just as I was graduating from coaching. So I emerged um from 2020 with coaching, breath work, and microdosing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that I'm assuming has to be also be in person. Mm-mm. I can do that online. Oh interesting. Yeah. And what so, type of what are we microdosing? I work with psilocybin. So okay. magic mushrooms. Cool. <laughs> I was just telling Josh, I spontaneously took some yesterday (laughs) and how, because it was spontaneous, it was in a, like, I, it was a, it was a very great experience. We had a lot of fun together. Um, but there's always that, like, I want to be in a, like a circle and, Mm -hmm. you know, have instruments and music and, um, I said music and instruments, but you know, art and painting and everything. So yeah, so that I have this like urge to do more than just kind of hang out. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, mushrooms can be so magical, which is funny. I just <laughs> magic mushrooms, duh. Um, but really, it's a sacred plant medicine, so it does a lot of work with you, but not for you. And so sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Um, and microdosing means taking a subperceptual dose. So like a tiny dose, you wouldn't normally perceive that you've taken anything, um, other than maybe feeling creativity or love, but you could also feel anxious or fearful if that's what you need to look at in order to get over something. So I use intentional microdosing in combination with the breath work and the coaching mm-hmm. so that it's like this full support um, when they're going through that because intentional means they're working on something. They have a goal in mind that they're using the medicine to assist with. And so then the coaching means we can get in there and we can really uncover those layers and pull back and see what we, needs to be felt and acknowledged and released. And then the breath work is just a beautiful way to continue to release but not have to like worry or or talk or all of that like just Mm. easy that is so juicy 
<laughs> yeah. How well, long is a session for the microdosing in the? So, are you talking like weeks or hours? Hours. So you, if it's online, do you mail it? Like, how does this? You mail I it don't out. Provide I don't provide the medicine. Um, that's some psilocybin is illegal. <laughs> so, um, if you want to take psilocybin, um, that would definitely be on, I'm trying to word this so that I don't sound liable. <laughs> um, I know it's that? like a, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. So it is illegal, but inside my container, I have resources, um, but I don't personally provide the medicine. Um, and then it's just, it can be part of my coaching packages. So I have a package that's four sessions. So that could be like a month or you could meet, I would say not biweekly with microdosing because you really need, everything's happening so fast that we wouldn't want to meet each other every two weeks. Like that's not going to be very helpful. Um, and it would just be a session where we talk about dose and ritual and protocol and all that. And we dive into the body to find that information. I don't tell you which dose to use. You tell me based on your body. Um, and then we create a plan. The medicine comes, we connect with the medicine and the spirit of the medicine and, um, just really allow it to begin to work. And then we can do the coaching and then we can do the breath work. So it can be different sessions. It's not all in one day. Um, I also have a program that's called the quantum evolution, which is three sessions a week where we meet. Um, it was supposed to run a couple times, but I moved. And so now it's just kind of hanging out over here and nobody's in it. <laughs> so I'm thinking about relaunching it. We'll see what happens. So yeah. I love that offering. Yeah. So before, so you have all of these beautiful modalities that people are so in need of. Um, and you must have at one point decided I need to help people in this whole new way and on your own terms kind of thing. Um, so when did you kind of discover that your life needed a shift from, you know, we always, we just see this pattern with everybody in this healing space of we're living this life of, you know, going through the motions on the hamster wheel. And then suddenly something happens and you like wake up to be like, okay, I need to do something. I need to pivot. And so tell us about what that was for you. Mm. So I would say it all really started in 2020. Um, I was working at a brewery and my entire life was consumed with alcohol. And I guess working there was just like a bonus. It was perk because <laughs> I also had a different job too and a family and just lots of responsibility. Um, and when my birthday came around in September of 2020, all I got for my birthday were alcohol related presents. So I had at least a dozen bottles of wine that were gifted to me. And I literally cried when my parents gave me seven bottles of wine, one for every day of the week, I joked. I was like, what? <laughs> That's what was my present. And then I went to the next thing and I got um, 
this beer server thing and this thing and some wine glasses and this thing. And I'm, and I got home at the end of the week and I'm like looking at uh, my presents, like it makes me sense. So pretentious, but everything I got was related to alcohol. And I'm like, is this all I am? Is this all people see me as? And I was really a turning point for me. Um, so I began to question my relationship with alcohol, but it took, um, a few months, three months until I decided to pick up the alcohol experiment, which is from Annie Grace. And it's a 30 day experiment where you just don't drink alcohol for 30 days. And every day you learn uh, something new in each chapter, science behind why you drink and what happens when you stop drinking. And that book completely changed my life. And at the end of the 30 days, there's an opportunity to uh, drink alcohol or to not drink alcohol and just continue on that experiment. Um, but the the experiment at the end is to drink alcohol with no distractions. So no TV, no people, no books, and you're supposed to film it, just you and alcohol. And then you're supposed to watch the film. But like, I didn't even get to do that. But just that idea in general is so fascinating to me. Because it's not the alcohol that we really want. It's the connection that alcohol usually thinks that we get. So like you go to a game and you think that you're going to have fun if you drink alcohol or you go to a party, you think you're going to have fun because you have alcohol, but you're having fun at all those things anyways, even without alcohol. Um, so experience that too. Like I've gone, cause my boyfriend doesn't drink. And so I always applaud him for all of that. And we'll go somewhere. And so sometimes I'm like, I'm just, you know, what he has, he's always having fun. Like, why do I feel like I need to have a drink? So every once in a while, I'll, I'll you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Abstain. Not, yes, abstain. And so I noticed that you get like that high of just being with people, like mm-hmm. in without the alcohol with it, it's like, it's a pure enjoyment. And what you are talking about with that connection, that's yeah. it's there without having the need so I love that I love that yeah. approach mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really curious how that book came into your life like I have never heard of that and I think it's it's such a it sounds so amazing was is there yeah. a story around how that book showed up for you um I found it on reddit so there were a couple um channels or whatever reddit calls them for sobriety or no alcohol or Alcoholics Anonymous, all these different channels I had joined to just try to um, figure out what it was I was supposed to be doing. Like, was alcohol in my life for a reason? No. (laughs) Like, why would it, why would it be there? Um, but it was, it was a long period of me questioning my relationship. And so exploring different podcasts or channels on Reddit. And that was one of the recommendations was, um, alcohol experiment. And her other book is called this naked mind. I read that one too. It was really great, really great information about, um, alcohol. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is when you first drink that first glass of wine or beer or whatever it is and you maybe crave that feeling the rest of the night, you will never get back to that feeling because when you drink the first drink, your body dumps 
um, chemical compounds to counter-react the alcohol that you just put in your system. And it actually brings you down to a lower point than you were before you drank the alcohol. So then you drink another glass and you get another dump of your body's counter whatever chemicals and boom, you're even lower and lower and lower until the end of the night where you just feel like absolute shit and it's all a fucking waste. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I heard someone say once, that's why they call it spirits. It's taking away your spirit. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this on our podcast this week, but the, I think the reason it's called spirits is because there are a lot of entities that will hang out in bars that are driving you to continue to drink because they want to partake um, because you are. So it's like they're living vicariously through you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, yeah, that that relationship that you create with the negative spirits around you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I love your story of, cause you know, sadly so many people experience something horrible and that's when they have to quit alcohol and, the, but yours came to that's like a, just a nice, soft, gentle reminder of, wait, I need to relook. I need to, you know, observe from a different perspective. Yes, I like that story. Thank you. Um, My family actually thought maybe I'd gotten a DUI because I just stopped drinking alcohol. Like I had to have gotten in trouble in order to to stop. Like it didn't make any sense to them. Um, So then in 2022, it was very surface level. Like I want to be my best self. Like it was just not, and and it's a stepping stone. But looking back, it's like kind of funny to laugh at, to be cringe at like that version. But that's okay because that means that I'm always evolving. Um, but it was in June of 2021 that I did a group um, Enneagram coaching. And we do- dove into my Enneagram number and at lunchtime, well, all of our Enneagram numbers and, the, and all of that. But then at lunchtime, she had us sit alone and come up with a time that our life changed that what was the moment in your life that it changed forever and that's like why you're the enneagram number that you are and then she wanted us to come back to the circle and tell everybody our vulnerable story and trauma bond in this circle of people um and i refused to tell my story and so i had just opened this box like Josh and I have talked about this before, I had opened this box, uncovering something I didn't know was there and didn't release the energy because I'm a private person and people would know who I'm talking about in my story because we were in a group that I knew well. Um, and I just walked around like that for like the next six months almost, just really feeling messed up about that group session. Um, but I it drove me to continue to drive deeper and what is out there and what am I missing? And then that's when I kind of found pause and the coaching and the breath work and started to put all these pieces together. Yeah. We talk so, a lot about like, cause so many people, when they start doing inner work, it is, it's trying to get to that high of my best self, all of those things. But then it's that shadow. It's that depth that is so important, but also terrifying. Yes. And pause is so good at taking you to your depths so that you can ascend. Definitely 2021, I was like, I want to ascend. I want to (laughs) be, I just want to grow. 
but yeah, you have to ground into your body and even go further and look at those, the depths and the shadows before you can ever really fully understand what it's like to up level. Yeah. The first time I heard the word term spiritual bypassing, I was like, oh shit, (laughs) (laughs) that is so me. Yeah, it's important. So I'm, I'm curious on that group, were they intentionally trauma bonding or are you putting that word after the fact? That's what happened. Um, everybody was telling their stories. We were all feeling their feelings with and for them, creating the connection, the relationship. It was, it was a team building activity for the employer I worked for. (laughs) Sounds appropriate, doesn't it? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm putting that trauma bonding in, in what happened there, because I am upset about the way that that was handled with my trauma-informed training now, I would never do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, not a very trauma-informed approach to trauma bonding. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's that's the thing is that not everybody is trained in trauma-informed care. And it's so important to stand up for yourself and what's right for you and yourself. And you don't have to take on anybody else's stories and you don't have to bond with other people over their history if you're not ready to do so Mm -hmm. you don't have to hold space for other people if you are not ready to do so like that it just is pretty icky Mm -hmm. so for the listeners that don't maybe don't understand trauma-informed or trauma bonding would you be okay just kind of sharing your understanding your experience with both Yeah. So we'll just start with trauma bonding because we've been talking about that a little bit. So for me, that means bonding over everybody's traumas. Uh, I think there can be a couple different meanings because you can look at um, somebody who's held in captivity could be trauma bonding with their captor or, um, you know, just a, a, a codependent relationship where they're always bonding over maybe their continued traumas or their past traumas. But in the case that I'm talking about, it's the group of people who are bringing up their childhood traumas. And now we're all feeling it. We're all hearing it. We're all holding space for each other. And then just going around the room. And, and then at the end of the day, there was no closure, whether or not I released my story or not, there was still no closure. The box was opened and all of that was let out. Um, Anybody want to add anything on trauma bonding? I was just gonna what we were just talking about with spirits it's like the same thing of like I'm doing this and I need other people to be doing this stuff with me so it's like that Mm. same realm of like what is it misery loves company kind of thing yeah well and I thought about the girl gossiping podcast that's bonding as well that we're bonding with that that feeling that feels so familiar but there's like no movement. There's no inward expiration where we get to bring it up in a safe way and let it move through us. Mm-hmm. And I, cause that reminds me too, of going through the pause program. And when Sam would talk about like, she's like, no more gossiping. And so I'm like, well, I don't really gossip that much. And so, but in that reflection, I'd hang out with some friends that I've been friends with forever. I'm like, oh my God, this is all we do. And because it's, it's, you get that 
so serotonin or some sort of chemical that that feels good because you are bonding with them over someone else's pain or whatever it is that you're talking about. And so that was a huge shift for me when it's like, you know, there's more to life. And when you release that need to, you know, gossip or trauma bond with other people, it's, there's just so much more depth that's in a different direction. Yes. I love those explanations. So can you take us through like, because retreats often look like that, that team building activity that you described, the intention may be to bring people together and to have them bring their stuff up. So can you just kind of guide us through what would trauma informed look like in that scenario? So for me, um, it really comes back to that pacing and that titration throughout the entire journey. So pacing, like pace yourself when you're running a mile, you don't just come out sprinting. At least I don't, I can hardly even run a whole mile. So maybe you're walking, maybe you're jogging, maybe you're doing a little running. Um, and then titration, which is the opposite of trauma, trauma being too much, too soon, too fast. And maybe your listeners already know that. But having that in place the entire time and having your group know that they're on their own journey in their own, I like to, I like to create an energetic field around everybody. They already have one, but we're like reminding them that they have their own energetic field. They have their own boundaries, that they're on their own journey and that they can experience everything that they need to inside the, their own little journey. Um, and then at the end, if it needs to be shared, um, giving people the time and the space that they need to, but also giving everybody else the opportunity to leave or journal or doing what they want to do instead of forcing them into participating. Um, I know after doing group breathwork sessions, there were so many times where I did not want to listen to anybody else talk when I got done having my beautiful journey. I don't want to take on anybody else's stuff. So I would just leave. And I always let people know that that's an option too, that will, and I give them the full flow of what we're going to be doing. This is this step, this step, this step. And then at the end, there'll be time for questions or shares, or you can simply get up and leave. That's okay too. So options for me is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that everybody has their own under, understanding of what trauma is and what their experiences with trauma was. Maybe it was one major event or continued major events, or maybe it was these small behaviors over time or interactions over time. So trauma is different for everybody. And so I can't say the same thing to just one person. It has to be all, uh, all options on the table. It was so nicely said. I feel safe just with you explaining it. (laughs) Thank you. Breathe me now. (laughs) So Alyssa, would you be okay in a trauma-informed approach? This question is. Um, So that need to drink did you come to an awareness of what, what was there for you? Is that, a, you know, if you yeah. feel okay talking about that? 
Yeah. So I definitely had an emptiness that I was trying to fill with alcohol um, and an uncomfortableness with being with who I truly was and thinking that that wasn't enough and that I need to use alcohol as a way to express myself or be comfortable with myself. A lot of people resonate with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So instead of alcohol, could you talk us through what it's like that journey from that awareness to the book, the 30 days, and then was it just like rainbows from that point? It was the easiest decision I had ever made was to quit drinking alcohol. Hmm. The first two weeks were the hardest of the journey just because I had so much extra time that I didn't know what to do with. Um, And then like the changes and the healing happening in my body. But I knew what was happening thanks to the book. Um, And so just almost like resting, like I had an illness was, was what I was doing in the first two weeks. And instead of drinking alcohol, I would be drinking tea or like sparkling water. I love LaCroix. And so I made sure to stock up with all that stuff before I officially started. And then my husband joined me and that was so, so supportive. I don't know what I would have done if he continued to drink alcohol because we are very alike. Uh, We would constantly continue to like get each other to drink more. And so if one of us quit and the other didn't, I that would have been just uh, unhealthy. And I don't think we would still be together. So I'm very grateful that he quit with me. He didn't read the book and he didn't take in all the information and it was just as easy for him. So I think that it really depends on your learning style or, or whatever, but it's not all about your will, because at the end of the day, your will is kind of like a battery and you will run out if you have other things coming up and and testing your will. Um, So it's not endless, it it will run out and then you'll be picking up the bottle because something else challenged you more than alcohol did. Hmm. That's a great insight, I really like that. Your will is like a battery. Yeah. I learned that from the book. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. Yeah. And so now I'm coming up on three years alcohol-free. And I don't miss it. I did watch a show that was called, like, something about the Blue Zone and um, living to be 100. And they talked about people in Sicily drink wine or maybe there was some other place and they like make it and they drink it and they live to be a hundred. And I was like, it would be kind of nice to drink a glass of wine just every once in a while. And then I was like, but I can't drink just one glass. It's not just the one. And so then I just put that to bed real quick, but it's, and reminded myself that like being intentional with everything that I do is so important because if I drink if I ever were to drink again one night, I would have to make sure that I didn't have anything I wanted to do later that evening or the next day because it's going to affect me. Um, and so I can't hold space if I'm drinking or I can't show up as my the best version of myself the next day if I drank too much the night before. And so that's now that's my running reminder of why I don't drink is because I need to be here to hold space. 
Um, and that same can be put in place with marijuana, using marijuana intentionally. Um, so it's just really, that's my biggest thing. My biggest tip is just living intentionally and doing things intentionally, no matter what they are. How is this going to affect my evening or the next day or maybe even the whole week if I choose to do this thing right now? That's a great awareness. Yeah. So I'm thinking about if there was a book for like all of our, um, I don't want to call them vices because it can also, so as a pickleball coach, mm. I could see all of these people coming together and, and there was such a, a sense of community that existed inside the building and these friendships that were formed. And then, you know, we would play for a couple hours and then we'd do it again the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And as you guys shared, you know, without alcohol, you still, you actually experienced fun, experienced community and probably to a greater depth because of that presence that you were able to access and that intentionality of really, it, it, it is a deeper awareness of, of the why, whether it's alcohol or pickleball, it's the why. It's why, why am I doing this every single day? Is this meeting a need or creating a distraction because a need isn't being met? Or it could be both too. So it can be complicated, but just really diving in to discover. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel that with like with marijuana, I would use it for my stomach problems. And but I was I told both of you, I think know my stomach issues. And so I would be like, okay, I'm just using this for pain. And but then the pain was pretty much daily. So I was constantly using it. And then when I started feeling better, I was like, wait, why am I, I don't need this anymore. This crutch, this, this little assistant. And so I've made that realization too. Like, okay, I'm like really have to, that's that it's all about that intention. I have to intentionally know that I'm using it for this purpose instead of just numbing out at the end of the day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, it's hard, but especially when you're in the routine of, of doing that, but it's, it's worth it in the long run. Well, and it's interesting with the marijuana or the drinking or the pickleball, there's, there's the routine that gets developed. And then the people around you, you know, come together too. you know, Alyssa with your husband, it was, it was the drinking together. And that, that was a connection. And that was what your day looked like. And then mm -hmm. that decision, when I stop, now the routine is disrupted and how's that going to impact relationships? And so that it, it's, it can be com complicated. Yeah. Especially when um, your nervous system is attuned to that routine. Mm, yes. Um, I experienced a lot of um, upheaval in relationships in my life when I stopped drinking alcohol. They weren't sure what to expect of me. 
um, when you were just what to say to me, like I made a lot of people uncomfortable because I just up and quit drinking alcohol. And for the most part, that makes people uncomfortable because they're like, what's wrong with alcohol? Is something wrong with me because I drink alcohol? And they're not ready to look at that question um, simply because I stopped drinking alcohol that poses the question. And then they're uncomfortable about the entire thing. Um, and so I lost a lot of relationships through that time. But as we know, when we're evolving and it's good to shed relationships that are no longer serving us. And yeah, it's always for the best, especially when it's around something like alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, those are not, those relationships are not serving you. Yeah, that's a tricky, that's a tricky feeling. Cause I, I definitely, I still drink from time to time, but not like I used to for like totally different um, life that I'm living, but it is, it's that, I, I know exactly what you mean with those certain friends that I, yesterday I was with some and I was like, can I just have some water? And they, you get all those looks like, what do you mean you're just drinking water? <laughs> it's like, that's all I want. And it's so it's, it's empowering when you, once you get over that little hump of, and it's not even you're uncomfortable, but you feel bad for making other people uncomfortable. So as soon as you pass over that hump, that empowerment starts to come and be like, okay, well, I still, I made, I was firm in my decision. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes you have to be prepared with like excuses. Like I have to work early tomorrow or I'm not feeling well, or just like this, like have a pocket full of excuses when people really start harping and pressuring you. I absolutely hate peer pressure. So that's one of the things that activates me. And then I get like really fired up and start wanting to fight people because they tell me I need to drink and that doesn't go over very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, because when you take a step back and look at like just our society in general, that people get so uncomfortable, but also just thrown off that mm -hmm. somebody is, is, just switching that routine for them so it's funny to to reflect on that I have a friend who um if she goes out with her friends she's my actually it's like my mom's friend so she goes out with her friends and she'll order a glass of wine at the bar because she's like sick of saying excuses so she goes and orders a glass of wine but she has like the non-alcoholic wine like tiny little bottles in her purse she'll go to the bathroom she'll spend money on the <laughs> a glass of wine go dump it out in the bathroom and fill it up with a fake bottle of wine <laughs> and that's how she has to do it and I applaud her for that that is so sad because <laughs> alcohol is so expensive I know I did the math and we spent at least six hundred dollars a month on alcohol wow that alcohol is expensive It's just getting worse and worse. That's why when I order my latte every once in a while, I'm like, well, at least I'm doing it's coffee and not alcohol. It's like the same, it's the same amount as a cocktail nowadays. It's crazy. Caffeine's a whole nother thing though. <laughs> like I'm pretty, I can be pretty good about not having caffeine, but every once in a while, a little treat. Mm, I have to have my daily cup of coffee, but I'm pretty, pretty good at like that second cup. Like if I'm facilitating or holding space, I can't have the second cup because it'll affect the way that I hold space. 
But if I need to pick me up and I'm not holding space, then I definitely do use caffeine as a crutch. Mm -hmm. That intentionality. Mm -hmm. Sacred coffee beans. So Alyssa, I've, as, uh, as we've done these interviews, you know, we identify these patterns and there is like a resistance to looking in inward. And I think it's just societal. It, it might be a human thing. And one of the mentors that I've learned from, I asked her about it and she said that we have the protection and then we have like a protection to the protection and that some people's protection to the protection um, either lessens with time or isn't isn't that big and so then it's easier for someone to be introspective and curious and so it sounds like when you had that moment on your birthday with all the alcohol related things there was a moment where you, you did you say you experienced sadness is is that the mm-hmm. and it was probably drunken sadness I'm pretty okay. sure I had, I had already drank in quite a bit that day um but yeah I was just so sad that that was who I was and that's what everybody saw me as that was my identity so that curiosity took place and were you, some people, and I've shared this before, that I was afraid to look inside because I was afraid that what I thought was inside of me would be confirmed. And so I was like, I'm just not going to look. Did you have anything like that? Or was it just like, let, let's see what's going on here. I think I was so ignorant to the fact that there is darkness inside, like that there is things that need to be looked at and there is wounds and there are parts and there are protectors. I had no idea that anything was in there. I just was so fed up with myself. (laughs) Yeah. And we had already honestly already began to start being intentional with alcohol. I think that summer we were like, let's we're we're snobs we like good coffee and we liked good beer and we liked good wine so when we would drink beer it was high alcohol by volume beer it was like seven percent beer and that's that's a lot (laughs) and you were only supposed to have like 48 ounces in montana of that kind of beer at a brewery And so when you go out and you go around to multiple breweries or you go out and you do something, you go to a concert and you're there for hours, you can't drink that kind of beer for hours or you're going to be in trouble. Um, So we had gone to a couple concerts and gone out and done stuff. And so that summer we had already been like, let's be sustainable was our word that summer. And let's drink some not so great beers just so we can hang out longer and be more responsible. So the pieces were already starting to be put in motion. And I was already starting to try to be more responsible. And then at the end of the summer, that's when that, when my birthday party happened and I got all the reminders of what does it even matter? Like you can try all you want. That's still who you are. 
That's what it felt like anyways. Mm. So what have you discovered who you are really? Mm. I'm weird. <laughs> I'm so weird and it's safe to be weird. I don't have to cover up with alcohol. I don't have to like use alcohol as like the reason I'm weird. Like I can just be weird and I can be funny and I can be feisty and it can all be okay. I love Hannah, that. Yeah. Do you experience her as weird? <laughs> no. I don't either. <laughs> so there's like this holding space me, which is not as feisty and weird that version is a little like calmer and earthier, um, which is, I did breath work before this and I've like prepared, like I was going to hold space. So I'm a little less weird than I would be if I just like emerged out in the world, just to pop in and do something. Um, but it's still like a thing I have to work at. Like, is it safe for me to show up in this space? Like I went to a parent teacher association thing and I'm like trying to feel out like how am I allowed to be here can I just be 100% me or do I need to like be a mom <laughs> like you know it's just so fascinating when you have all these different compartments of your life how are you supposed to show up in each one I like to um discover the ingredients of the labels that we have I kind of double click inside and I'm like what's inside of there so what would you say the ingredients of your weirdness consists mm. of my ingredients of my weirdness like what makes me weird sure <laughs> um well i'm reflecting on this question too because um when i right before you jumped on i was telling josh about taking mushrooms yesterday and i even said didn't i say like i was afraid to get weird to these people that i don't see all the time so i was like i just like to get weird sometimes and and i didn't really I, that's where that little bit of anxiety came in that's like okay can i allow myself to be weird so what are those ingredients it's a question yeah like in the safety of my home around my husband and my kids I think the weirdness definitely comes out more than when I'm other places. So it's like funny voices or funny like bodily movements that I make just because I'm being weird. Um, and I really like when jokes come through that I didn't think about at all, like when I'm witty. And in order for me to be witty, I have to be 100% comfortable and like feel safe and know that it's safe and know that it's like, whatever I say will be recepted because this person loves me. They're not judging me. So I think that's the ingredients. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. I like your questions. They definitely just uh, poke at like that deeper awareness like how can we like really just explore what's happening in this conversation mm -hmm. yeah. it helps with your gift of storytelling it's all josh's package if we double click on that the best questions to get the best stories mm. you think like, i have a gift of storytelling 
<laughs> yes. So, yeah. I'm a little ADHD. So usually my stories are all over the place, but I think, <laughs> I think it's been together pretty well today in this, this podcast. So that's good. Mm-hmm. What I've been finding and I've had to find it in myself first. And then as like a testing ground or something is depth by exploring inside and opening, looking at the ingredients of what I had deemed a certain thing and maybe even judged and put a judgment label on as I go into that behavior or pattern and uh, like dissected it and understood it from a place of curiosity and compassion, I've always found something beautiful inside. Mm -hmm. And so then then it's not scary to share it because it's like, oh, well, society may not understand it or may judge it. But if I share the insides from that place of no judgment, just, just curiosity and safety inside of me, then I'm fine sharing it with others. And so that's what I, I think Hannah and I are, are really striving to do is create a space where whatever is inside of, of our guests, like allowing that to come forward in just a beautiful way where it's like, no, this is what makes me, me, this is the authentic, authentic Alyssa. And, and it's the witty and the jokey and the playful and the, and, and we, you know, calling it weird. Maybe it's weird. Maybe it's unique. Mm. I think yeah. weird's a compliment. <laughs> I love that. I always tell my kids, it's okay to be weird. Like your weirdness is, is just perfect. I was growing up. I didn't think that it was okay to be weird. Mm. I made, got made fun of for being weird. And so I want to create that safety for them to be weird. Yeah, I have this memory of my mom saying something to me about, like, I don't think she told me to be normal, but something was like, that's not normal. And I remember as a kid, just having that realization of like, normal, I don't, I'm not trying to be normal. (laughs) And that was like younger, really young me. And then of course, society comes in to try to change that and make you feel like you have to be normal. But I always try to strive for that part of me that wanted nothing to do with being normal yeah embrace embrace the weird and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of just permissioning other people like I've been and that people enjoy authenticity if as weird as it comes off I've been watching this I've stumbled upon I love like spooky stuff during October and I stumbled upon this show of it's all on YouTube and I don't normally watch YouTube shows but um, these girls like ghost hunting and it's, I love ghost hunting shows, but they just take it kind of really silly. They have all the equipment, but they're not, they're just kind of laughing with the ghosts and stuff. And I just, they're so weird. They're so weird, but I'm like addicted to watching how weird they are. And it's, it's, it's same that get, you know, I, as I say, giving permission, I, I'm okay to be weird and give permission, give that permission to other people, but I'm still receiving that from them 
I'm like, I could be weird. I'm going to go hang out with ghosts and be weird. I want to do that. <laughs> so Alyssa, what, where can people find you and what are your current offerings? What are you excited about? Mm. So you can find me at um, facebook.com forward slash emerge dot from dot within. Um, same thing for Instagram. Um, I co-host a podcast called the Wholesome Healing Collective or on YouTube, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Um, and then I also hold weekly pause and breathe sessions. So these are free breathwork sessions online Wednesdays at I'm changing it to 2.30 p.m. MST, Mountain Time, um, and Friday at noon, Mountain Time. And I just absolutely love holding space. So even, you know, with this move and feeling like my life was a little upheavaled, <laughs> and like I didn't have a routine, being able to facilitate breathwork helped me find that routine and helped me connect to my source as I'm holding space to other people. So it just is like this beautiful reciprocity, even though it's free. <laughs> um, and then my offering. So I'm just doing packages right now. I have a Reiki and breathwork package. So uh, intro to breathwork, uh, Reiki cleanse, and then two hour long sessions um, in that package. And then coaching package, which includes all of my modalities. So breathwork, Reiki, microdosing, coaching so that body-based coaching which is different than mindset work um and I offer those as four session packages and then maybe quantum evolution the combining all and meeting three times a week in a group setting and so we always like to give you an opportunity to share a message with the world if you could say anything to our listeners let them have it um, what's coming through is just be. So we'll go with that. <laughs> I think that wraps up everything that we talked about too in a perfect little bow. Just be, just be weird. <laughs> just be yourself. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been so wonderful. I love this conversation. What a great episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, let us know what you took from that. Leave some comments, share with a friend who also might resonate with the story. Um, subscribe, like, all those things so that we can spread the word about our podcast. And so all of our beautiful stories that we get to hear from our amazing guests get to be shared around the world. We appreciate you as a listener. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast 
to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now, and see you in the next episode.